In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! At Gen Wealth, our passion has always been education. On today's Get Ready for the Future show, a deep dive into your options when it comes to retirement accounts, how they work, and how to choose which one's right for you. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Yes, it is. Welcome in to the all new for 2022 Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, along with me is Janet Walker and John Shrewsbury. Glad to have you with us uh, for another edition as we deep dive into retirement accounts today. This is going to be, we'll call it, you just mentioned before we went on the show, it's blocking and tackling, right? These are the fundamentals. Yeah. So it's a great educationally driven show today. And maybe you, maybe you know what these account, accounts are, but I, I would venture a guess to say that even if you think you have a pretty baseline understanding of what retirement accounts are and how they work and what uh, features and components are there uh, attached to them, you're probably still going to learn something today. Without a doubt. Uh, There's probably no more confusion that's more basic than, uh, does an IRA account make good money? Yeah. 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 I mean, we get all kinds of questions on IRAs, and and we really believe it, it it is a fundamental part of retirement for most people and it's something that everybody needs to have at least a comfortable level of understanding it's not that you got to know all the details but you need to make friends with an ira because if you don't have one you probably will at some point <laughs> like you know? i'm very good friends with my ira <laughs> so that you know and that's the you mentioned it john you alluded to it i think that's the number one misunderstanding when it comes to an ira it is not an investment right, right. it is a type of investment account scott i'm old enough to think about the the days when iras actually started and they started at banks and so banks had fairly low yielding savings accounts or cds that people put iras in and it just kind of stuck in people's mind that that was the investment component of an ira so i've had people come in janet and say i don't know if i want an ira it doesn't pay very much Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and that's really anything further from the truth so we'll borrow from dave ramsey on an illustration on this um so one of the things that he does in the financial peace course and i don't know if it's even in the current materials this is from years ago when i when i used to teach this but um he would have a mason jar and you know the little uh, ABC magnets that you know kids use and toddlers use on the refrigerator. So he'd have a, a pile of those, and he was initially describing a mutual fund. And the concept was, you know, it has all of these different stocks and or bonds from different companies. So the A is for Apple. If you have some Apple stock in your mutual fund, then it goes in the mason jar. If you have some Microsoft, then that's the M and flip it over. You have some Walmart maybe. And so he's filling up the mason jar with all these letters that represent, in this case, let's just say stock or ownership of different, uh, different companies. And then that's all you have. It's not yet an IRA. Then he got this, I don't know where in the world he found such a tiny coat, but there was a mason jar sized coat that he wraps around the mason jar. And he says all the IRA does, now it's an IRA because it has this coat, this coat shelters it from taxes. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it an IRA. It's not the investments. It is the tax treatment that makes it an IRA. Scott, you can get delved into all these details, but I think what is really important for people to understand is that 
IRA means individual retirement account, but around GenWealth, we think about it as an independent retirement account mm-hmm. because it is literally an account that can help you get to financial independence. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's where a lot of people really need to catch what's going on with IRAs because it's that financial independence component. Again, it's the outcome of what it is that you're trying to do that you're looking for. And everybody that is looking to retire is looking to be financially independent so they don't have a job that they're depending on. They have their wealth that they're depending on as they retire. Well, the driver for our show today comes from a Limra Secure Retirement Institute 2019 study that says only 34% of all Americans believe they are knowledgeable about IRAs. And of those who do not own one, 45%, that's nearly half, feel they don't understand enough about IRAs to contribute to them. So it is a barrier. It is stopping people from becoming financially independent because they don't fully understand it. So we're going to try to peel that back today. Now, the first thing you need to know, the basics about an IRA, and we're going to talk about different types, but an IRA in, in, in general, a traditional IRA, anyone who has earned income can open an IRA. So this is a vast majority of Americans who can contribute to an IRA. So if you don't, and I think the takeaway there for me is, is if you don't have a company-sponsored retirement plan like a 401k or a 457 or 403b, whatever it is, where there's a company match or there's an offering for you to put money in pre-tax, you can still get money into an IRA. Yeah, you can do that. And I'm going to add one exception to the earned income, and that is for spouses. So let's say we have a, a, this is a little bit stereotypical, but let's say the husband is working and the wife is at home, then the wife can still, based on the husband's earnings, have an IRA of her own. And that's very important because when when you think about how many people you know, we're having to fund two retirements. You know, how many people across the state of Arkansas are are not working? There ha- there's one spouse that is not earning an income, but yet we're going to have to pay for two retirements. Well, there's certainly not two 401ks that mm-hmm. we have going right. on. So that's one of the reasons that that's available. And then, Scott, as you referenced initially in that, for people who don't have a retirement plan at work, remember, you're not going to have a pension if you don't even have access to a 401k or other type of retirement plan, you absolutely need to establish an IRA so that you can begin funding your retirement. Scott, I think one of the basics that people get wrong about IRA accounts is they don't really understand that it really needs to be segregated or segmented in your mind. It is on paper, but in your mind, it needs to be segregated or segmented as your retirement account. It's not part of your money that you can pick and choose what you want to do and take money out of it whenever you want to. And I think that's what what kind of hangs people up sometimes from contributing to IRAs is they feel like that they're losing control of that money because it is a long-term investment. There's penalties if you take it out before 59 and a half and all of those things. But really all those things are in place not to hurt you. They're actually in place to be sure you don't dabble into your retirement account and spend money that you really need to have for your future. Yeah, that 59 and a half thing can really be a hold up when you're younger, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm going to put yeah. this money away and I can't touch it until I'm 59 and a half, but you have to have the long-term vision of understanding that you're going to need that uh, put away when you are past 59 and a half or whenever you retire. So they're meant to be long-term investments, uh, long-term accounts, retirement savings accounts. So you don't want to take money out early because that defeats the purpose. So 
We want to talk about the different types. And we mentioned that anyone who has earned income can start a traditional IRA. Some of these other IRAs you may not be eligible for. There are some, uh, there are some limits to that. But when it comes to traditional IRAs, in most cases, if you are under a certain income amount, those contributions are still tax deductible. So you think about the, right. the, the mechanics of this. If you have a 401k, that money is being taken out before it hits your bank account, right? Payroll's making that deduction from your company, and it's going, at, going into that pre-tax 401k. So you're not paying taxes on the dollars that are going into the 401k. But if you take an IRA, you're starting that on your own right? Or through uh, with a financial advisor. So the money has to pass through your bank account first. So the, the taxes have been taken out of it. Then you're going to contribute to the IRA, but it is still, John, considered a pre-tax contribution as long as you don't have uh, income that exceeds the limits. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, this gets pretty confusing whether you're single or married and filing jointly. This is why a financial advisor is key to the equation along with your, your tax advisor, because it may or may not be deductible to you, depending on your household income, your individual income, and things of that nature. Don't let that dissuade you from the IRA uh, contribution idea. If you don't have a 401k, you need an IRA of some kind, be it a Roth or a traditional. That's for you and your financial advisor to figure out. But you need to be putting money into an IRA account, especially if you don't have that 401k plan. And I think that is really a, a, a holdup with a lot of people is that they they don't, you know, all this is confusing. They don't know Roth or traditional or what have you. Janet, I think it's really important that people just get started by yeah. having a conversation first. A- absolutely. It, it all begins with a conversation, but I'll help you understand maybe with a visual, the difference really between the traditional IRA and the Roth IRA. Guys, it's all about when you pay taxes, but it's one thing to explain this verbally, and it's another thing to be able to have an image in your mind that kind of explains it. So let's say that there's this big, huge apple tree and it has apples all over it and on the side of the apple tree in the bark there's a heart and inside of that heart it says Roth okay so this is your Roth IRA apple tree so you're standing there and looking at it and it's got apples all over it all right that's representative of the growth of your investment over time but that apple tree didn't just appear one day it started with a seed you had to plant the tree for us to get to the point that there's a tree later on and we have apples all over it and you have the opportunity now to, to eat those apples. With a Roth IRA, you've only paid taxes on the seed. Let that soak in. There's all these apples on it. You get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Tax-free. Tax-free. Mm-hmm. You only pay taxes on the seed. Now, you had an opportunity to have a different tree one that would have a little heart on it, and inside of that heart it says traditional IRA instead of Roth. On that one, you don't pay taxes on the seed. In the in initial investment, you get to deduct whatever you're putting in there, so you're not paying taxes on the seed. But every time you take an apple off of that traditional IRA tree, you're going to pay taxes. So do you want to pay taxes every time you eat an apple, or do you want to just pay taxes on the seed? That Just paying taxes on the seed is the Roth. And guys, Roth IRAs, I think from the clients that we've worked with is probably they are probably the most underutilized accounts out there and many yeah. times it's because of those uh, limits. income limits right yeah. people start to make money later in life so i think it's very important for someone who's young who hasn't hit those income limits which we're going to talk about in just a second that disqualifies you or makes you ineligible 
for contributions to a Roth IRA to get those dollars in as early as you can. So we kind of intermingled traditional and Roth. The uh, limits as far as the contribution limits to both of those accounts are the same. For 2022, uh, the annual individual contributions to traditional and Roth IRAs cannot exceed $6,000 unless you are age 50 or older. In that case, you get a $1,000 catch-up contribution, which puts you at $7,000 annually, and that is the year you turn 50. So if you're turning 50 in 2022, that's the year you can take advantage of that catch-up contribution. And we should point out, too, uh, back to your point, Janet, of of spouses being eligible, even if they don't individually have earned income i think about it in terms of if you earned income on your tax return right right because you're married filing jointly right then you qualify so in that case you have two people over 50 and they're filing joint it mm-hmm. jointly they can get fourteen thousand dollars a year into those accounts that's a big a big deal and another group of earned income people that we haven't really talked about today is teenagers mm-hmm. if if they don't need to have that cash flow for you know their personal responsibilities it is a tremendous opportunity really for them to start early and have the power of compound interest working in their favor um, my daughter did that when she got her her first job was here at Genwealth as an intern in the summer and she didn't work a whole lot of hours and it was minimum wage so she only earned like a thousand dollars that year but she put that $1,000 in the Roth IRA, and and that can be a big difference for them long-term. It doesn't feel like much at the time, but that, that power of compound interest is incredibly powerful. I, I will go on record as saying I think every young person should have a Roth IRA. I agree. Because I think a Roth IRA is so incredibly flexible, and it has such a great benefit, unless Congress comes up and changes the laws or something of that nature, it's such a great benefit for the future that you could have this tremendous pool of tax-free income. So Roth IRAs are great because you you have the ability to grow that money on a tax-deferred basis, and when you take it out, it's 100% tax-free. But also, you have the situation where if some calamity besets you, and let's say that you've contributed over the years, let's say you've contributed $50,000 to your Roth IRA, and let's say your Roth IRA is worth $100,000. That first $50,000 that came into that account, the the seed, if you will, to use Janet's analogy, can be taken out at any time without any tax, without any penalty, because you put after-tax dollars into the Roth, and so they can't penalize you for taking it out. So that actually does answer the lockup question that you know a lot of people fear because they say, well, if I put this money away and something happens in the future, what am I going to do? Well, with a Roth IRA, you can go get those, those principal contributions at any time without any tax and without any penalty. It creates a tremendous amount of flexibility flexibility there. There's also some provisions in the Roth IRA rules that let you take out money for the first time purchase of a home. Right. Now, again, I'm not ascribing that those things need to happen. It needs to be left alone for your retirement. But when you have that kind of flexibility, it's hard to say no to a Roth IRA. Let's also point out before we move on, we talked about getting started early with that Roth IRA. Over time, you get the benefit of that tax-free growth. Let's talk about people who are walking up into retirement. And, and this is kind of a uh, a bridge to our other conversation because you talked about Congress changing laws. And I mm-hmm. think this yep. has highlighted the need to at least take a look. If you're closing in on retirement and all your money's in 401ks or IRAs specifically, if it's in a traditional IRA, if somewhere along the way you've 
left a job and you've rolled that 401k over to a traditional IRA or you've just been contributing front end to that uh, over a long period of time and you've built up a substantial amount there and that's going to be where you draw retirement income, it may make sense to take a look at the option of a Roth conversion. So let's talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. Roth conversions are really a case-by-case basis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. you've got to look at it and go, okay, can I afford outside of my IRA accounts to pay the tax on whatever amount I'm converting? I think that's number yeah. one. But I would also think that Roths uh, actually have a tremendous benefit, not only to the people who are retiring and using the money, but to the next generation. Yeah, it can be a a huge game changer for the next generation because when your heirs receive this, and and obviously in most cases it goes to a spouse first, but let's say we've gone beyond husband and wife and we're looking at the next generation, if they receive uh, your retirement assets in the form of a traditional IRA, then those assets are taxable and they must be withdrawn within a 10-year time period. So, in either case, whether it's traditional or a Roth IRA, we're, we're restricted to that 10-year time period now to get all of those assets out of the IRA. But if it's traditional, they're all taxable. And so when you have to pull out X amount of money within 10 years and add it to your already taxable working income that you have, many times we see heirs being pushed into a higher tax bracket. But if this is Roth money, they still have to take it out in that 10-year time period. Doesn't mean they have to spend it, but they do have to take it out of the Roth, but it's not going to be taxable to them. So it, it can make a tremendous difference. And guys, another benefit to getting some of those conversions done earlier is when you get to required minimum distribution age, it can have a positive impact on how much you're having to pay with regard to your Medicare premiums. Mm-hmm. Because traditional IRA income Uh, counts toward the calculations on on how much you pay in your Medicare premiums, Roth IRA income does not. It's not included in your modified adjusted gross income. So if you can convert that earlier and then take Roth income later when you're in RMD phase, that can really help you. Guys, I, I have to say here that all of this is very complex, especially to people who don't deal with it mm-hmm. every day. It's complex to us, and we deal with it every day. We, we have to be careful about what we're doing and make sure that we're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's when we're working with someone, when we're dealing with this whole issue of taxation and which IRA is the right one for you, and do you want to do a conversion or not do a conversion and all of that. Do not let that inhibit you from going down this road. Get some help. We always talk about fend for yourself, but don't go it alone. And this is a great case for that. You've got to have that fend for yourself attitude, especially if you don't have a retirement plan at work. And there's a ton of people out there that don't have retirement plans at work. You've got to be working toward your financial independence plan, despite what may be going on with your employer. And the way to do that is to establish a great relationship with a financial advisor and get them walking down this road with you to help you navigate through the complexities of this so you can get on the other side of this and find that financial independence that you're looking for. I'm so glad you said the complexity of this because I'm sitting here listening when I'm not talking to you guys. And I started the the, the show by talking about uh, how this is blocking and tackling and fundamental, but it, it does it gets complex in a hurry. There are nuances, right? yeah. The front line of it's pretty pretty basic, but then there are and it's because you talked about someone who's staying on top of it. It's complex to us, and it's also changing all the time. Yeah, I mean, when yeah. you talk about the Secure Act, has changed a lot of this. In fact, the RMDs um, were at seventy and a half, right? They the required minimum distribution out of a an IRA had to begin. Um, 
at age 70 and a half, but the SECURE Act changed that. Now it's at 72. RMDs are based on account size and the account holder's life expectancy. So that first year at 72, it's going to be in the high 3%, right? Mm-hmm. Closing in on a little closer to 4% as, uh, as you, every year you get older, um, and you'll have to take out more. And failure to take an RMD could result in a tax penalty equal to 50% of the amount of the required distribution. So you do not want to go it alone and get that wrong in retirement. Yeah, there, there is some serious uh, heat that can come mm-hmm. from the IRS on that. Scott, I want to shift gears and go back to these folks that that don't have a retirement plan available to them mm-hmm. through a, a traditional employer plan like a 401k. And I want to talk to a lot of the independent contractors out there, the guys that have, you know, one or two man shop, you know, maybe you are a, a contractor and you do um, building work uh, and, and it's just you or maybe you and a helper or something like that. This is probably one of the uh, areas where I think that this information can do the most good. If you think about those folks, they are busting it for a living. They're self-employed. They're out hustling all the time. But they're in a situation where they're also getting hammered as far as taxes are Mm -hmm. concerned. So, Janet, an SEP, a Simplified Employer Pension Program, is really something that most of these folks need to take at least a, a look at and see if it's the right benefit for them. Yeah, so what you need to consider here is how much you're able to contribute. And, John, you mentioned specifically independent contractors, uh, and that is a fabulous example for this. In addition to that, it might apply to small business owners, but here's the key to understand is that whatever you do for yourself percentage-wise in terms of your contributions, you have to do the same percentage for everybody who works for you. So this is a little bit different where everything else that we either already have talked about or are going to talk about, the individual is responsible for some contributions. But there may or may not be a match, like in your 401k, that type of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. But with the SEP, it is all going to be funded by the company. So regardless of, of you know who your employee is and whether they want to contribute, that's not how this one works. It is company funded. So the, the contribution limits for a SEP IRA in 2020 are limited to either 25% of compensation or $61,000, whichever is less. So if you make, let's call it 240, I guess that's $244,000. If you make $244,000, then your 25% and the 61,000 are the same number. If you make more than that, then you're going to be capped at that $61,000 maximum amount that you can put in. But if you have somebody who works for you who, let's do easy math here, they make $40,000, then you will have to, if you're putting in 25% for you, you have to put in 25% for them. So you're going to put in $10,000. They're not putting anything into it. And some employers like that and others absolutely do not. Yeah. That's why I love it for solo people, you know, independent contractors, yeah. guys, yeah. just one yeah. guy. Forward. Exactly. It's it, clear cut. Very clear cut. Guys, we've got a question uh, from uh, our Facebook live feed here from uh, Bruce, uh, who is in El Dorado. If a person has a 401k at work and has the option of putting into both a a traditional or a Roth 401k, what percentage uh, should a person put into each or should it all go into a Roth? Okay, so putting money into a 401k, they've got the option of a traditional or Roth, which way should they go? 
So I would say, number one, you need to check with your advisor. I'm going to give you my gut answer for most people is the more Roth money you have, the happier you're going to be later in life. (laughs) However, that is not an absolute. Okay, We normally look at the, the first question we're going to look at is how old is the participant in question? So if it's somebody in their 20s, they need to put in Roth money all day, every day. That's what needs to go in there. If they're within five years of retirement, then it really depends on what other assets they have and what they're going to be pulling from in retirement. They may need to do traditional dollars into this. And guys, it's important to understand that the the earnings limit that we talked about earlier on traditional and Roth, like individual Roths and individual traditional accounts, rather than in, as part of the 401k, the earnings limit here does not apply. So it right, doesn't matter right, how right. much you make, you can contribute in Roth dollars to your 401k. And we are big, huge fans of that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And one other thing about this, I think that, you know, even if you feel like, well, maybe I should do some traditional money, you are going to do some traditional money in a Roth account because what's going to happen is that your employer contribution is going to be a traditional contribution, a before-tax contribution. Always. Always, 100% of the time. So you will be getting the some effect of your employer money going in there, even though your employee money may be going to a Roth. The, yeah. the reason, just to help people understand that, the reason the employer is always that way is they're taking the tax deduction. Yep. So yep. you can put in Roth money all day long, whatever their match is, it's going to to be traditional dollars. They're not worried about retirement income, the, cor- the corporation that's paying you. That's, that's right. right. And I do think it's worth pointing out too that I think this is changing, but it, when this when the 401 the Roth 401k first started to become prevalent, many times the employer match was only based on the pre-tax employee contribution, right? Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. the Roth contribution would not have got matched. So if you went all in on Roth, you didn't actually get the employer uh, match. And I think that's changing a little it bit has. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But early on, that was the case. So you might want to check with your HR department before you start doing that as well. Back to that step, just to kind of finish up on that, you know, you talked about it's great for independent contractors. The other thing I think about too, if you're, if you uh, are interested in opening a SEP IRA and you do have an LLC or you have a business set up and you are the owner and you're also an employee of your company, it may affect how you think about how much you're going to pay yourself, right? Because how many Mm -hmm, business owners mm -hmm. think about in terms of I'm only going to take this pretty dismal salary so that I don't have to pay taxes, but that affects when you say you can only put 25% of compensation in, that may affect how much you pay yourself too. Yeah. So they they pay themselves many times a low salary, but then they'll take the rest of it in distributions and that type of thing. But the other thing, in addition to this, the other thing that that impacts is your social security income. And frankly, just to be transparent, John and I did that early in business. We had uh, we had comfortable salaries, but on the low end of comfortable, and then the rest of our income was from distributions. And the farther we got into business and we were more and more comfortable with like, okay, we know the income level is, is going to be there to be able to raise the salaries. We don't have to go, are we getting a distribution or not? We could just raise the salaries. We did that so that we weren't hurting ourselves as far as the percentage that we're contributing to our retirement plans and also what we're going to see later on in terms of Social Security income. So we talked about the SEP having some restrictions if you have multiple employees in your business. If that's the case, you may want to, John, take a look at the Simple IRA. Yeah, Simple IRA is a basically a small business 401k plan. It is uh, got a lot of different features to it, but essentially the way it works is that an employee 
the the worker can contribute for his own retirement up to like I, I believe it's a fourteen thousand thirteen thousand mm-hmm. five hundred dollars, and the employer will match, and the matches are actually uh, dependent upon how the employer wants to do it. Most of what we see is a dollar for dollar match up to three percent of salary. I just messed you up on the thirteen five. That was it that was. was last year, and right. this year it's fourteen. So okay. fourteen thousand for twenty twenty two. And and then the catch up contribution of an additional three thousand if you're over fifty. So that's where we are on the contribution amount. And John, this is actually what we have chosen to do at Gen Wealth. And the the one of the things I really like about this, just the simplicity of it, is that we can look at what do we pay our team and what is three percent of that. And when we're doing our budget, go that is the maximum possibility of out-of-pocket, that if everybody contributes uh, the, the maximum amount, then we're only out up to that dollar-to-dollar match up to that 3% of what their salaries are. So this could be an area where maybe you've got a little small company, four or five employees. You can't afford to do the SEP where it would be a right. large percentage of everybody's salary going into a retirement account. This limits your exposure maximum to 3% of the salaries that you're paying your five employees. And so it is a great benefit for them because they get to contribute money on a pre-tax basis, gross tax deferred and all that type of thing. And then your limit on your contribution is 3%. So it really does give you a limited amount of exposure when it comes to the dollar amount going out of your pocket. You know, one of the common questions we have on this is uh, from employers as they're setting this up is whether or not they can limit like who participates and and that type of thing. Because frankly, a lot of people have some part-time employees and they're like, I want to be sure my full-time people can do this, but but not necessarily for the part-time. And there is at the beginning of the process, there's a form that you fill out and it gives you guidelines on if they work more than X number of hours or earn more than X amount then then you have to be able to allow them to participate. But but that's something that an advisor will go through with you at the time that you set this up. John, I think you've got a, a follow-up question. Yeah, a follow-up question from Bruce. So a person with five years of retirement out uh, within five years of retirement should go the Roth route at work. I think the question is, when are you going to use the money? Because mm-hmm. the, the real power of a Roth IRA is the long-term tax-deferred growth because you're building up more and more and more tax-free money when you do that. If you're going to use that money really quickly uh, as you retire, then it's probably not going to be a a great benefit to you. But if you may say, and we do this when we're doing our our buckets in our income for Mm -hmm. life model, Mm -hmm. the Roth money always goes toward the end because we want that money to continue to grow and compound and that type of thing. So if you can earmark that Roth money for later in your retirement, and you intend to defer that out, even if you retire, you can roll it over into a Roth IRA, let it keep on growing on a tax-free basis, then yes, a Roth is good for you to be engaged in five years out from retirement. Otherwise, if you're going to use the money fairly quickly, it's probably a toss-up. Bruce, as a follow-up to that, um, I would think about the buckets, uh, knowing that you're already familiar with the buckets that we use at GenWealth, the, the timeline that those buckets represent. If it's an early bucket, meaning it's assets you're going to use in the first few years, then probably not. But if it is that long-term, like John was saying, those long-term buckets, then it's better as a Roth. We mentioned, or John mentioned, rolling uh, over the funds to an IRA at retirement and the, the option you have there. I do want to kind of close this conversation 
conversation out with that. We talked about the going in front end to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or a SEP IRA or a simple IRA and building that from scratch. There are many people who have large amounts in an IRA that they didn't put in directly to the IRA. They rolled it over because if you do have an employer plan and you change jobs, you do have four options available to you. One of those is you can roll over, most cases, that 401k, whether it's pre-tax or it's Roth 401k money, to either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. You can leave that money in your plan, leave it in the old 401k. We're fond of calling that an orphan 401k because you're leaving work and no longer making contributions to it. You can roll it in many cases over to your new employer plan if you've changed jobs and not retiring, or you could cash it out. And those are four options, and they have pros and cons. The cash out has mostly cons. Yeah. I would say all cons. Uh, you need to talk to your uh, financial advisor about those options and what's best for you. And, and uh, Scott, we've got a document that we can provide you on. Uh, it's very uh, comprehensive on these four options, and you can have absolute clarity about what you want to do about this. Don't knee-jerk react and just mm-hmm. say, I'm just going to leave it here. Or I'm going to take it all out, and I'm going to go spend it. Uh, it's those knee-jerk jerk reactions that really do get you in trouble uh, when you're making financial decisions. And this is why having someone who can see the landscape, understand all of the options that are out there and give you those options and let you get, have a guided decision in what you're trying to do, that's really, I think, the biggest benefit that you can possibly get from a financial advisor. Perfect timing. That is the final bell. So it is time to put a bow on our discussion today of what is an IRA, the different kinds. How do you know what's right for you? The inner workings of how you make withdrawals. Janet, it got complex in a hurry. We talked about blocking it, it yeah. and tackling it. it was fundamental, but there are a lot of complexities. to Yeah, this. absolutely. So pay attention to the details. Be sure that you get some, some personalized advice on this. But if you're in the 66% of Americans who don't believe that they're knowledgeable about IRAs, here are some things to consider. Number one, take heart in knowing that you're not alone. And number two, understand the progress that can be made. Like you really can dig into this with some help and and determine where you are and where you need to be and what that path looks like. And then taking the steps to grow your knowledge, that is critical. Um, Things are not going to change by themselves. You have to take the initiative to cause them to change. Scott, I, the the biggest amount of money in IRAs have come from rollovers, and mm-hmm. that comes when you're facing a decision at work. And you need to understand your employer plan, but you also have to make an educated decision on those four options and decide one way or the other which way you want and need to go. So a trusted advisor can do that. You can reach out to us here at GenWealth. We would be more than happy to provide you an appointment with an advisor, all the written information that you can uh, possibly consume on those options. But those options are very critical to you getting to financial independence. I started the show today by talking about education being our passion at GenWealth. It doesn't end here on the podcast and radio show. If you're ready to grow your financial knowledge, there are free courses and resources available to you. And in fact, they are just a click away. You can visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash academy to get started. Again, that's GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash academy. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. 
If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.